And I've been praying for you that God will open up your mind and your heart that you will receive the word. Because you have to be willing. You have to be an open vessel to receive the word when you come. Now, the title of this lesson today is Radical Faith. Now, how many of you got nervous when you heard the word radical? Honestly, raise the hands. Did you get nervous? Even those on Facebook, thumbs up if you got nervous. Because when I said this to my son about the message, there was a long silence. I don't know what he thought I was going to do, but he was nervous. And so, but the word uh, radical is not what people really think. And you know, when uh, I was doing my devotion several months ago, the Lord dropped into my heart, into my spirit, the word faith. And you don't hear a lot about faith anymore because, you know, it takes, it takes effort. It takes work. It takes something on your part for faith to be there. And when Pastor Rowe asked me to speak, the Lord immediately brought back to my spirit faith. And then when I was just kind of meditating on it, the Lord dropped radical into my spirit. And we need radical faith today, people. I don't know if you're aware of that, but we need radical faith today. I believe in it. We're living in that time when we are going to be asked to do things that we have never done before. And we may need that radical faith just to survive, just to survive. And you can't wait until you're in the middle of the battle and then pray for faith. It's just like a, a boxer can't wait till he gets in the ring and practice boxing. A weightlifter can't wait till he gets in the act of lifting the weights. He has to prepare ahead of time. And it's just the same way with your faith. It's the same way now. You have to start today to prepare your faith. And if you don't, you're going to get lost. Now, people get nervous when they hear that radical. And I don't really don't know why. Uh, but some words for radical is far-reaching, drastic, Profound, deep-rooted, uncompromising, activist, fanatical. I like drastic and uncompromising. Because when you step out to do what God has called you to do, you cannot compromise with the world. You cannot compromise with the things you hear. You can't compromise with the things you see. You have to get in the Word of God. And since I talked about getting in the Word of God, I was thinking this week. You know, these things are wonderful. And they're so handy when they work. So, or if you know how to work them either, too. That's a big problem sometimes with me. But how about when Texas, in the last couple of weeks, they haven't had any power? Then what are you going to do? And with these things, you can just go up to the top and hit whatever book you want, and it comes up. There's no thinking about it. What are, I pastor's got a a Bible there. What about the old-fashioned kind? What if you don't have this? What if something happens with the way the world situation's going that you don't have the freedom to click on your Bible and bring it up on your phone? What are you going to do then? Now, there are, and I'm not putting anybody down, but there are people who don't know Genesis from Revelations. But when I was little, well, I was younger. I wasn't really little. I was younger. We used to go to church Sunday morning, Sunday night, Tuesday night, Thursday night, and sometimes on Saturday. And you didn't question if you were going, you were going. You did it. And we used to have a Bible hunt. How many of you remember Bible hunts? I was a champion Bible hunt. And we always had some little prize. I like to win. I don't even care if it's a pencil. I like to win. I'm competitive. I want to win. And that's how I learned the books of the Bible. Now, if you have children, 
You need to teach those kids the books of the Bible and they're never too small because they have songs out that you can teach them what the books of the Bible is. And I, I learned that when I, many years ago. And I still know it. And that's the way you learn. But we need to get back to some of the old-fashioned stuff and get the Word of God out there, get the Word of God in our heart, and get moving for what God has. God is waiting for us to have a drastic, uncompromising, unbending, stubborn faith. Your faith must be biblically based. It can't be just something thrown out. Well, it can be, but it won't work. You need to have biblically-based faith. You need to look in your Bible and find out what God's Word has to say about what you want, and then uh, go from there and build your faith on it. And the Word of God is final. It is the final thing. It will cause it. Um, Pastor Rowe, Pastor Teresa, and Minister Blaine, they've been stepping all over each other's toes when they would be talking, because uh, last week uh, Blaine was talking about Teresa talking about faith. Pastor's been talking about faith. You guys have all stepped all over mine. So, but you know what that means? God wants it to get out. God wants it in your heart. He wants you to do something about it. Faith has been woven through all the messages. It's been on Wednesday night. I think he even mentioned radical faith Wednesday night. And so God, you have to pay attention when that comes. And he wants to increase your faith. Do you know how you increase your faith? You increase it by spending time with him in the word, in worship, in fasting. Believe him for something that if he doesn't show up, it's not going to happen. That's radical faith. That is radical faith. I want to tell you a story right now. Look, I'm even going to use my little set thing here. If you don't know me, that's a big deal because I rebelled for a long time. Anyway, I want to tell you a story about a lady named Yvonne. Chris, raise your hand back there. See Chris back there? It has been, I think, three weeks ago that Chris stood in for a lady named Yvonne right back over there. Ricky and, Rick and Kathy Kiran, Pastor Teresa and myself, prayed for, with Chris for Yvonne. She needed a heart transplant. She had been on the heart transplant list in Ohio for two and a half years and didn't have it. She was now in Florida, and he stood in for her. Three days later, she had a heart. We prayed right back there. This is not something happening somewhere else. This is right back there. We prayed for him as he was standing in for her. And then it was last Wednesday... She was up and she walked 50 feet, which is a great thing. And he just sent this text, uh, I just got it today. She's now out of SICU and in step-down unit. She will have a second biopsy on Monday and then she will be released from the hospital. So she will be out by Tuesday at the latest. That's pretty awesome. This is us. Let's give God a praise. Let's have a praise break for God because he's faithful. He's faithful. He said if you would stand on my word and declare it, 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 he would do it. He said that Jesus bore the stripes for her healing. Now, we don't know what all, but this we need to take that and expect it. We think that, you know, it is awesome. It is awesome. But it should be routine. 
It should be routine. We should be doing more of this. We should be lifting people up out of wheelchairs and setting people free from addictions and healing marriages and setting people free. But you know what? If you don't get up off your seat and do something, it ain't going to happen. It is not going to happen. But God is wanting to. He's ready. He's wanting to do that. But we are the hands and the eyes and the feet for Jesus. And if we don't use them, it's not going to happen. So we need to get up. We need to do something. And that, you know, we have to have follow through. I thought about Pastor Rowe because they teach you follow through in basketball, don't they? Follow through is when... You shoot the ball, you have to have follow-through. You have to plant your feet. You have to look at that rim. You have to focus on that rim. You have to get that ball, and then you have to follow through. And you just can't throw that thing and then turn away and run. When you throw that ball, you stand there and see if it's going to go in that basket. And if it doesn't go in that basket, you run to that. You guys didn't know I knew that much about basketball, did you? I had two kids that played basketball. They also teach you... In, uh, when they're shooting foul, to box out. They teach you to get in front of the person you're defending. You back up against them and you keep them from getting that ball. Okay, that's, we need to box out when it comes to our faith. We need to say, devil, you're not getting that. Devil, I'm going to box you out and God is going to bring that through. And that's what we need to do. But if you aren't up there and uh, the coaches, if you're not boxing out, they yell at you. And they yell at you from the bench. They don't call you over here and say, hey, you need to box out. They embarrass you and call your name and say, you better be boxing out. And sometimes I think that's what we need to do. We need to call out and say, we need to box the devil out and not allow him to take your faith. Not allow him to get what you're believing for. But we want to stand around like this and let God do all the work. Okay, you have football. And the football, when they pass, when the... Center hikes the ball to the quarterback. What's that defensive line do? Starts backing up. Starts backing up to protect that quarterback. And he, that quarterback is your faith. That quarterback's what you're believing God for. And you need to start backing up when that thing is hiked. And you need to start protecting that and not allow Satan to send doubt and unbelief into your life and defeat you from getting what you're going to receive. And these are biblical principles that they have put into practice. And if whatever football team you're for, the highest state Buckeyes, and we don't have the Alabama. Is the Alabama? There he is. <laughs> okay, whatever thing you're for, you start rooting when that, high, that center hikes that ball. You start rooting because you see all those defense people step back. And you can only not only have you that are stepping back to protect your faith, you can have your quarterback, you can have your line defenders, you can have your defensive line back here. All the people that you know that's standing in faith with you to believe. We were standing in faith with Chris to believe for Yvonne, and we backed up. We backed up. We started protecting that. We thought about her all week. We started about praying for her all week, and we protected Satan from taking that away from her. When you're believing God for something, I mean, it's work. It's like pastors been saying prayer is hard work, isn't it? It's hard work. Uh, I want to tell you a story about another sport. And you know, the United States is America's sports crazy. 
I mean, sometimes, sometimes that's our idol. We're going to tear down them idols. We're going to build up them altars. We're going to tear down them idols. But sometimes God, sometimes the sports are our idols. But there was this young man. He was a young black man. He's 27. And he lived in an apartment in Pebble Beach, California. And I think they said there were 10 people with, that lived in that apartment. His name, I don't know if we have any golfers here, but his name was Kamiah Johnson. And he would go out every day just to get away from the other nine people in the apartment and take his golf clubs and practice his swing. And some lady saw him and liked his swing. Do you ever stop? And she's the one that uh, was instrumental in getting him to be invited to the PGA tournament. Now, do you ever think that God's watching you and putting somebody to see what you're doing to promote you? But this kid kept at it. He didn't even have a dream, or he probably had a dream, but he never thought it would be possible that he could be on the PGA Tour. And so she worked with him, and he did get invited. You know what happened? He got COVID. And so he had to withdraw from the tournament. And on his, where is it, on his um, clubs, on one of them, he has, wrote, uh, he has uh, never give up. And on the other, another one, he has just keep pressing. Enjoy the process it is. Enjoy the process and never give up. Now, how many times do we as Christians, the first little thing that comes along, we give up? How many times do we don't enjoy the process? Pastor Tim, which used to be a pastor here, preached a sermon one time to enjoy the goings and the comings. But if we don't enjoy the process and we give up, we will never get to where we are. So he had, he got COVID and so he had to withdraw from the, the tournament. He could, couldn't do that. Well, he got better and he didn't give up. He just kept going and he got to play in the tournament. I think it was in January of this year. Now that is a biblical principle that we need to start putting into practice. That is a biblical principle that the world uses that we need to start putting into practice. And I know a lot of times we don't enjoy the process. We moan and we groan and we complain. If you ever knew my story about mowing grass, I moaned and groaned and complained. And the Lord spoke to me and told me, you're ruining, you're, you're blocking your blessings. You're not going to be getting your blessings. I still don't say, oh, hot dog, I get a mow. I don't know which is worse, mowing or shoveling. But anyway, snow, I mean. Uh, I, now I get on that lawnmower and I say, thank you, God. Thank you, God, I've got a lawnmower. Thank you, God, I've got lawn to mow. Thank you, God, I have the ability to mow, which some of you may not think I do, but I do have the ability to mow. I even do a zero turn. And that's thank God. Thank God you gave me the ability. Thank God you gave me everything you gave me. But we moan and groan and complain and we block our blessings. We stop the faith that is working in us. We prevent sometimes the thing that God's trying to work in us. We prevent it by our own mouth. Um, I want to say that uh, just as that lady took that kid under that young man under his her wing, God's got you under his wing. God has got you under his wing. And so he, uh, he was able to play in that tournament. He's on his way. Now, the biblical principles are the same. 
and we need to put the biblical principles in. I'm going to use Pastor Roe as an example. How many know he's pretty radical? How many know that? He's pretty radical. He was, yeah, I see how he was really radical yesterday. I saw it on Facebook. God t- spoke to him in 1999 to come to America. So he got on a Greyhound bus and quickly swore that he would never do that again. I think it took him two weeks. No, it didn't take him that long. I'm kidding. But it took him a while to get here. And he had many experiences from 1999 to 2016. He had many disappointments, I'm sure. He had many times when he probably said, oh, God, was that you or not? I'm sure there were many times he cried and said, Lord, where are you? I'm sure that it was hard. I am sure that it was hard. But God placed him here in, uh, I think it was December 2015 or September to fulfill a sabbatical for Pastor Eli and then placed him as a pastor in 2016. What if, where would we be if he hadn't have followed God? He is an example of radical faith. And he's a wonderful man, but he's not, you know, he's not any special than the rest of us, right? He's a wonderful man. He's a God-fearing man. He's anointed. But so are you. So are you. And he, as wonderful as he is, he can't do it all. As wonderful as he is. As wonderful as Pastor Megan is, she can't do it all. She can't teach the nursery and the kids and run the sound and keep him in line and do everything else. She can't do it. She needs help. And that's why God has all of us. He wants you to step out and help and do that. And just like the when she made the announcement this morning about workers, it's going to take those workers to make the church go. It's going to take that to do it. And you can just, you know, when I was growing up, they used to have this saying, if you sat on the front line and the preacher was preaching, you had a shovel. If you didn't like what they were saying, you'd just shovel it on back to the person behind you like this. Like they weren't talking to you. We're just... That's what, is that what we do? Is that what we do? We'll say, oh, I wish so-and-so was here so they could hear that. That really ministered to them. Oh, you know what? I have had people tell me that God spoke to them to do a ministry and I was supposed to lead it. I've had people do that to me. That's not right. When God speaks to you, it's you he's speaking to. When he talks about a ministry, it is you he's speaking to. And then they do that under the guise of God. I mean, they say that. Are you serious? Yeah, they were serious. I didn't do it, but they were serious. But God wants you, and faith is that. Now, uh, a lot of times, too, we get lazy. We have the scriptures up here on the screen, which is wonderful for people who maybe don't have a Bible or something like that. We get lazy. We get lazy because we do not find it for ourselves. And there is something about you looking in the word, whether you use one of these or one of those, looking in there to find. And you know what? Last night, when I was working on this sermon, my internet went out. Isn't that frustrating? My internet's been downward, it's been up here lately. But anyway, you know what I had to do? (laughs) I had to resort to the old paperback book. I had to resort to the old-fashioned way. Now, if you don't know the old-fashioned way, what's going to happen? What's going to happen? You need to learn that. And these technology things, they're great. When they work, they're great. But we need to realize that that may not always be. 
And we need to prepare for the worst scenario and get the word of God where we can get to it. And, but you know, most of us have several Bibles laying around. And we need to every now and then put our this down and get the paper and just read. There's something about that paper turning. There's something about that pen being written on that paper that brings you strength. And I know some of the uh, young people might say, oh my goodness, you're so old fashioned. I am. I am old fashioned. I, I admit it. I am. But I tell you what, that thing has brought me through many, many trials. That thing has been there. That faith has been there. I have went to the word of God and said, this is what the word of God says. I have taken that Bible to prayer and I said, read it out loud. And this is, which reminds me of something else. It also says that faith cometh by hearing and do you know when you're reading your devotions at home, when you read out loud, you're hearing the word of God. You do not have to wait till you get here to hear Pastor Roe preach a message. You hear that word when you read it out loud. When you do your devotions, you read it out loud. When you have a problem, when you go to prayer, read it out loud and say, God, this is what your word says. This is what you said you would do for me. And you read it out loud. But you know, we get to be lazy. I mean, we're a lazy bunch of people. Not you guys, baby, probably just me. But you guys, we're lazy. Because we want, we want it up here. So we don't have to look at it. We want somebody else to preach it for us. So we don't have to read it. We want somebody else to check it out. So we don't have to do it. But I'm telling you. There might come a time. When you don't have that privilege. And if you start preparing today. For that time. You'll be so much better off. You'll be so much better off. But I deliberately. Didn't put a lot of scriptures up today. For that very reason. Because we get lazy. Uh, Hebrews 11.1. 1. Let me tell you first the power of bold faith. Hebrews 11.1 1 in the Passion Translation. And I'll tell you what, another thing. It will do you good to get several translations. And read them in the way different translations. Look at Miss Vicki over there with her Bible. I'm telling you. Uh, the Passion Translation says, Now faith brings our hopes into reality and becomes the foundation Needed to acquire the things we long for. It is all the evidence required to prove what is still unseen. That's how the passion. That's pretty powerful. Faith brings our hopes into reality. And becomes the foundation needed to acquire the things we long for. It is all the evidence required to prove what is still unseen. And you know, faith works the same way for materialistic things as it does for spiritual things. But I don't want to talk about the materialistic things today. I want to talk about the spiritual things because our world needs Jesus. Our kids need Jesus. And I know last Sunday, Minister Blaine was talking about losing the younger generation. Okay, I don't want to break the news to you guys. I hope this is not a shock to anybody. All generations are lost. In my generation, I can think back to the people that I went to church with when I was young that are no longer serving God. I can think about people that was once on fire for God that no longer serve God. We have lost them. We have lost them. They aren't lost yet. 
totally lost, but we need to, every generation needs to get on fire for God and reach that generation. And I want to tell you, I hope this doesn't shock either, but every generation needs the next generation. There's not a person I meet that I can't teach them something, but there's not a person I meet that can't teach me something. And we need each other and we need to join together and stop segregating ourselves according to our age and share what we know and share our faith and do the things that God has called us to do. There are things that, well, there are a lot of things I can still do. Just takes me longer to recover, but I can still do them. I can still do them. Okay. We need each other for the things I can't do that maybe you can do to help me. And then I can do something to help you. And we need to quit separating and we need to come together. They've started this thing about, um, doing life together. We need to do life together and not just in our mouth, but we need to do life together and we need to share expense experiences. When you hear about Yvonne being, getting that heart transplant, hallelujah, that should just boost your faith up like that and say, God, I'm believing for this and I know you can do that. But we have got to do something. We can't just sit around. But every generation, every generation needs to come together and we need to save them. I can name you a lot of people that's not a teenager that is into drugs, it's into alcohol, that's into a lot of things. And that, they need saved too, just as much as anybody else. And so we need to quit segregating us by age. I don't like that anyway, but we need to be segregated because I'm usually on the other end. But anyway, we need to do this so we can come together. Uh, one of the most familiar 11 ones is the King James Version. Now, faith is a substance, realization of things hoped for, the evidence or confidence of things not seen. Faith can be developed and faith can grow because everybody is given a measure of faith. What you do with it is your is what you do with it. I was going to say it's your business, but it ain't only your business, it's other people's business too. But you can grow your faith. How do you grow your faith? Faith is the assurance that the things revealed and promised in the word are true. Number one, you got to believe the word of God's true. You got to believe it. It can't just be haphazard. You have got to believe it. And when it don't go the way that you think it should go, you still got to believe it. And the word of God does not change. If you're believing for healing for someone and they don't get healed, I mean, they go on to heaven and get healed, but they don't get healed here. It doesn't change the word of God one iota. The, he was still bore the stripes for their healing. It is still the word of God. It doesn't change one thing because it didn't turn out the way you wanted it to. doesn't change the word of God. You have to get yourself in line with the word. You have to keep your focus and then you have to box out and keep the devil from stealing your, your victories. You have to follow through. And wh- when I was talking about follow through, what I mean by follow through is not just come here on Sunday and Wednesday and just sit here and listen to Pastor Rowe. And if he tells you to write something down, write it down and then go out the door never do it again it's a daily thing when you walk out that door you need to start putting all that stuff into practice you need to go back and read the scriptures you need to say lord i'm doing this because if you don't you don't have follow through you're just i don't know what you're doing but you don't have follow through um faith is the assurance that the things revealed and promised in the word are true even though unseen And gives the believer a conviction that what he expects in faith will come to pass. In other words, it becomes so tangible that you now possess it. And you've got to possess it. 
It just can't hang out there. You have got to possess it. And you've got to walk it out. You have you used to hear more, more sermons on walking it out than we do now. But anyway, that's another story too. Why is it so easy to have faith for natural things and not the word? How many of you came in that door and thought, hmm, I wonder if that chair will hold me today? That's unless you gained a lot of weight. No, not kidding talking about that. But what makes you think that? How come you automatically know when you walk through that door that chair is going to hold you? Could it be that it's been proven Sunday after Sunday that it's going to hold you? Could that be the reason that you think it's going to hold you? Okay. What is it about God? Uh, Yvonne got a heart transplant. Okay, why can't we believe that for something else and get more and more and more in that? Anybody knows me here knows I have an automatic car start because I don't like to get in a cold car. So when I get that starter out and go like that, I'm expecting that car to start. Sometimes it doesn't. And when it doesn't, you know what? There's a problem. I have to do something. I have to adjust or realign my position. Or I have to do something. Something is standing between me and that car because that is what it was made to do. It was made to start. God's word was made to work. When it doesn't work, there's something in between you and that, and you need to find out what it is. And I can tell you, it ain't him. It is you. I can tell you that. Hope I don't hurt anybody's feelings, but that's the way it is. And you need to do a searching on yourself. This is me. I have preached myself this sermon for three weeks. I have preached as my dogs. I have preached it in the bed. I have preached it till I was up to here with it. And But it is me because God's word is true. It does not lie. He's a man that cannot lie. So I do it, when I do it again, then it'll start. And sometimes if it doesn't start, I have to go out there and start it because there's something here. But see, I don't like a cold car, so I'm going to find out why that sucker's not starting, and I'm going to get it started. I should have the same determination with God. I should find out why it's not working. Maybe it's not the time. Maybe it's not the time. Maybe God has something else. But you got to stay faithful to God. Just like the basketball players have to keep their eye on that rim, you got to keep your focus on God. You cannot let your eyes wonder. I'm believing that God's getting ready to do one of the biggest revivals in the history of man. I mean, we're getting ripe. The air was electrified this morning. Could you sense it in the air this morning? Could you sense the presence of God in the air this morning? And he wants to do it even more than we had this morning. He wants the miracles to come. I'm going to give you some Old Testament people, and I'm going to give you some New Testament people. Do you know why the Lord left us the Bible? As an example, as an encouragement. If you can find it in the Bible, you can believe it for you. If you can find it in there, you can believe it for you. Now, with that being said, he's probably not going to put you through the same type of, like with Abraham's one we're going to talk about. He's probably not going to ask you to put your firstborn on the altar. I don't think he's going to ask you to do that. But the whole concept is he knew he could trust God. He put his only son on the altar and was going to sacrifice him. But God, but he knew that God would provide the lamb because he told his servants, stay here with the donkey. Abraham told his servants, the boy and I will travel a little farther. We will worship there and then we'll come right back. 
we will come. Well, he may not ask you to lay them on a physical altar. He may ask you to lay them on a spiritual altar. He may ask you to lay them down and let him do the work. If you know me very well, I have a daughter. If she had been born first, she'd been the only child. That doesn't surprise her because I tell her that all the time. And uh, when uh, she was, oh, she's in her 20s. I laid her on the altar and picked her up and laid her and picked her up. I wore all her skin off. She was skinless because I could, I would put her there and faith believing and faith believing. <laughs> Turn around and pick her back up because it wasn't going the way I wanted it to go. It wasn't going the way I wanted it to go. So she was skinless. But anyway, he's not going to ask you to put it on a physical altar, but he may ask you to put them on a spiritual altar. And when you put them there and you leave them lay there, it's hard. It is hard because you want to pick them up and protect them. But he, uh, for a praise report, her and her husband pastor a church in Florida. So God's done a, a marvelous work. God, and on him, more on my son-in-law than my daughter, but God's done a, a marvelous work. And that was, my faith was weak many times. But I, I well, actually, you didn't have any choice. I had to put her back on there because it wasn't working the way I wanted it to work. And that's what happens. I had to put her back on there because I loved her and I wanted the best for her. And I had to do that. So in Genesis 22, 7, 8, Isaac turned to Abraham and said, Father, yes, my son, Abraham replied. We have the fire and the wood, the boy said, but where is the sheep for the burnt offering? And he said, God will provide a sheep for the burnt offering, my son. Abraham answered, and they both walked on together. And you go on through the story, and remember you, he looked, and the, the lamb was in the thicket there. But he, Abraham, had the faith. You have to have the faith that God is going to supply the lamb for the sacrifice. You're going to have to have the faith, whatever God said he would do, he would do. And then you talk about Elijah. I've got to get moving here. We talk about Elijah when he prayed fire down from heaven. Elijah told the prophets of Baal to go first. You all know the story. It's in 1 Kings 18. Uh, when you read uh, how in 1817, how Elijah challenged the prophets, the prophets of Baal, and he made fun of them and, charged, and, and gave them the first run of it. In, uh, in verse 21 in the New Living Translation, Elijah stood in front of them and said, this was to the children of Israel, how long will you waver hobbling between two opinions? If the Lord is God and follow him, but if Baal is God, then follow him. But the people were completely silent. How many times do we bobble back and forth? I did when it was with my daughter. How many times you have to make that decision? Israel once again had turned to worship idols and forgotten their God. In 1 Kings 18 and 30, first thing he had to do was he had to repair the altar. Are there altars that we need to repair? Do we need to get back to the altars and, and repair them? Because they had allowed the, the Baal to come in and they were worshiping Baal. But are there altars that we need to prepare? You don't have to raise your hand. But you know if God is speaking to you about altars that you need to prepare. Then Elijah called the people to come over there. And they all crowd around him. And you know the story. The prophets of Baal did their thing. And Elijah put the wood and the bull on the altar. When the prophets of Baal did their thing, what happened? Nothing. Elijah filled the trenches with water. And then he prayed fire down from heaven. 
Now, the, word, the prayer that he prayed in the New Living Translation was 53, 58 words. The prayer in the New King James was 63 words. So King James is a little bit wordier than New Life Translation. But, New Living Translation, rather. But, that says it doesn't take a book of prayers. It, it was Elijah's heart, and he knew where God was. He was right with God. He had been spending time with God. And that's the only uh, prayer that he needed to pray. And if you know the story that... The fire came down, consumed the sacrifice, and dried up all the water. But in uh, verse um, 18, or chapter 18, I think it's verse 36, he says, Elijah the prophet walked up, and in that you are God in Israel, and that I am your servant. He says, prove that I have done all this at your command. He wanted God to prove that he had done what God told him to do. Then you know about when Moses went before Pharaoh. You knew all those. When Esther went before the king to save the, the Israelites. It, you know, for such a time as this. We are here for such a time as this. You are where you are for such a time as this. Uh, then in the New Testament, the disciples went to Jerusalem to receive dunamis power. Power capable of re- reproducing itself like a dynamo. They wanted the power of the Holy Ghost. That is what the Holy Ghost has the power to do. It's capable of reproducing itself like a dynamo. We need more of the power of the Holy Ghost. We need more of the power of the Holy Ghost. And you know, when uh, Jesus told them to go to Jerusalem and Terry, they didn't have any idea. They believed what he said, though. They had the faith. And then um, in the New Living Translation, Acts 1 and 8 says, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere, in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, Samaria, and the ends of the earth. That has not stopped. This is what we should be doing now. And you know what? If you can't witness to your neighbor, he's not going to send you to China or Russia or somewhere else. If you can't believe God for... Uh, I'll tell you this. I, when I first started working, building my faith... I pray for a parking place because I hate to walk. The ironic thing is now I try and walk three miles a day. But at that time, I didn't want to walk two car lengths down to the store. I wanted God to give me that. And you know what? He did. And to this day, when I go shopping, I'm usually in the first three parking places. That faith is still working. Even though I walk three miles a day, I want a close parking place when I go shopping. So there you go. And God hears me. So there you go. Okay, uh, Jesus had been back to the his father, and they were alone on the day of Pentecost. Jesus wasn't there. He wasn't there with them. Uh, and then you remember when uh, Peter and John had was on their way to the temple, and he looked that guy in the eye and said, silver and gold have I none, but such I have given unto you. Rise, get up and walk. That's an Acts. That's still going on today. Okay, uh, the next one can really take some faith. You remember when Saul was knocked off his horse and was blinded? How would you like to have been Ananias? When God spoke to Ananias and told him to go pray for Saul, and Saul had been killing the Christians, how many of us could be an Ananias? We'd say, Lord, I don't think that, I think you need Pastor Roe for that. He's more spiritual than I am. I don't think I want to do that. But that took a lot of faith. That took a lot of faith for him to do, but he did it. Uh, <clears throat> He went over and, and uh, 
prayed for Saul, Paul, and he was healed. I want to get to a uh, story about a guy named Rodney Gypsy Smith. Because we believe that God is going to send revival. But you know where? It has to start in you. It has to start in you. We have to get a hunger for God that that revival, and I don't mean a series of meetings. I don't mean a series of, of songs, and, and our worship team is wonderful, but I don't mean that. I mean a real genuine stirring of the word of God in our hearts. This uh, guy was a gypsy, and isn't it kind of interesting how God always chooses the least likely person? Because, you know, they weren't the most likable people, trustworthy people. You know, they would steal and do everything else. But he was born in 1860 in England. And uh, the unique style of uh, lifestyle that they had, they had a bad reputation because of their misconduct. They often cheated people and stole. His mother died when he was a child. But his dad and two brothers came to know Christ when they mistakenly was arrested for uh, tying their horses where a sign that read, No Gypsies. Because they couldn't read, they were put in jail. They had went to a Methodist church service, and that's where they received God. And so they were mistakenly put in jail. Their rousing, singing, and testimonies in that jail influenced the jailer's wife. And she became to know Christ because of their singing and their testimonies. That sounds like another story that's in the New Testament. He couldn't read, but he bought a Bible, and he began to learn to read and memorize Scripture. He had a lot of other accomplishments that we don't have time to go into, but he made nearly 50 trips. He was born in England. He made nearly 50 trips to America. Each time before he would come into a city to preach a revival, he would draw a circle on the ground and get on his knees, raise his hands toward the city, and pray, God, start the revival in me. And there are many other ministries that have come from that circle concept. But I uh, was at a, um, a different Bible study, and this was brought up. And the Lord clicked in my spirit. That's what we need. And this is like, remember, if you were here last Sunday when Minister Blaine was talking about, it's like a commitment when a man and a woman get married. It's that, like that commitment to God when you say, I do. This is the same type of commitment. It's an outward showing of an inward commitment that you will commit yourself that the revival is going to start in you. It has to start in you. Now, as we uh, have our uh, council and uh, Pastor Roland, Pastor Magon, and I'm not sure if Blaine and Danny is going to make it, we're going to come up here, we're going to stand in these circles. And the revival, we're going to declare that the revival is going to start in us. And you know what? You can hold them responsible. You can, not responsible, but you can hold them accountable. We want you, I hope the rest of them is in agreement. I didn't ask them this, but I hope they're in agreement. We want you guys to make us accountable. What are we doing? What are you doing? Are you spending your time in prayer? Are you spending your time in the word? Is God speaking to you? What are you doing? Because if you don't have accountability, you know sometimes you make a promise to God, it just goes out the window. Is that right? But we want uh, Ryan and uh, Richie and Pastor Teresa to come up and Pastor Megan, if she can, to come up and stand in these circles. And Pastor uh, Roe is going to come and he's going to 
talk to you too. But we want this to be a beginning, a beginning for the revival to start in us. 